This is Neil Cowley, a visual artist out of Rochester, New York, and you're listening to the Light Source Podcast. And welcome to episode 13 of Light Source, the official podcast of StudioLighting.net. StudioLighting.net introduces photographers to studio and portrait lighting equipment techniques. I'm Bill Crawford, publisher. I'm Ed Hidden, exclusive photographer and image inspector with iStockphoto.com. On today's episode, we are going to be talking with Neil Cowley, a talented photographer from Rochester, New York, and uh, he has some really cool techniques, and uh, he was fun talking to Yeah, it was. Neil calls himself a lifestyle and wedding photojournalist, so looking forward to that. Yeah, I really like the, the photojournalist style of... Um, of weddings and, and grabbing things. It's it's such a unique perspective, and, and that's going to be really interesting to hear. Yeah, you can check out Neil's website at neilcowley.com. That's N-E-I-L-C-O-W-L-E-Y.com. But before we get into that, I mean, we always got to babble for a little bit first, Bill. Absolutely. So you uh, been doing anything uh, with photography? Well, I took a little trip to Columbus, Ohio last week, uh, so I took my camera along and took several hundred shots <laughs> it's always the way to do it yeah i got i just kind of i've never been there before so i wanted to get a feel for the city took a walk around took some architecture photos and landscapes and stuff like that got some cool night shots of buildings and for the first time so that was kind of cool oh sweet i like columbus though with the uh the neon lit outlined buildings yeah <laughs> so i had a good time how about you uh sports photography last weekend um, not too much though. And, and when I'm talking sports, I'm talking about T-ball. Oh, there we go. So yeah, my, my oldest is just starting T-ball. So I took the big lens and said, all right, let's, uh, let's get some cool practice shots. And yeah, I got, got about eight shots in and somehow I got roped into helping out. So, um, I didn't take a whole lot of more photos after that. Oh, <laughs> so you'll be the team photographer before, before any time here. Well, I'm not quite sure there's there's a lot of people with photography or yeah with cameras there well you need one of those 600 millimeter canon lenses i don't think that's gonna happen not with my recent purchase <laughs> well yeah that's right you've got a camera on the way yeah I, I called canon today and said i'll pay extra can we can we ship it can we ship it faster man i think i'm just as excited as you <laughs> <laughs> uh well you're more than welcome to use it when we go out on a shoot which we need to do again Absolutely. Certainly. Actually, while we're while we're talking about cool stuff that we found, um, I found a really cool uh, website. It's an online magazine, and I caught this one from a little pamphlet that they were handing out at Photoshop World Miami. Okay. And it's called it's a doubleexposure.com is where you can subscribe to their print publication as well. Oh, that sounds pretty cool. Yeah, it's really really slick. The the photographers on there are. Very talented people, and <laughs> and some of the names I recognized from the the archives of show notes of uh, the Light Source. Oh, really? Clay's on there. I think Mark Robert Halper's on there, um, and one that we've recorded that's going to be on an upcoming episode is also on that site as one of the featured interviewees, I guess you would say. Neat place for our listeners to head on over and check out some articles. Yeah, definitely. Speaking of articles... Are we uh, still looking for people to submit news or ideas or anything like that? Yes, we are. Uh, keeping on top of the news is quite a challenge uh, from day to day, especially with 
podcast editing and all the other things that we have going on. So I definitely want to keep that. You edit these? I thought we went straight to one take, no no edit. Oh, I gave away our secret. Just like my photos aren't edited. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Yeah, same situation. Well, we should probably get into the interview with Neil. Yep, let's take a let's take a listen. And our guest tonight on The Light Source is Neil Cowley. He's a photographer from uh, Rochester, New York. He specializes in photojournalism technique. He has some amazing uh, portrait and wedding photography. And uh, he was rated in the top five ranking in the nation, which is uh, amazing honors. Thanks for coming on the show, Neil. You're welcome. You guys are doing some fun stuff. Could you tell us, you know, a little bit about yourself and where you got, how you got started in uh, in photography? Sure. Um, I went to school to study environmental biology, <laughs> and it just so happened that around about my sophomore year, I was sleeping through chemistry class, and uh, <laughs> was pretty much just going to fail myself right out and go climbing out west for a semester. <laughs> Since my parents were partially footing the bill, I figured I shouldn't completely drop out of college, so I took a semester and just did Gen Ed, which is lacquer courses that keep you enrolled. <laughs> and so, um, sitting around in my dorm one day, uh, a friend of mine brought an art student around and she happened to see some pictures, which I had just been taking. She was like, these are really good, you know? And I was like, really? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so, but that was just enough to kind of pique my interest. And it, it just so happened that I'd been working at a summer camp out in the wilderness that because there was no film lab within, oh, an hour and a half, two hours drive, which was up in the Adirondacks, um, they would have one of the counselors shoot black and white pictures and have them develop them and make prints for all the kids. It so happened that the summer before I had learned to process black and white film. And so I found an old dark room that wasn't being used in the science building and I got some stuff and kind of went to work and started to fall in love with it. And then I started taking trips. I'd go to like museums. You guys said you were from Harrisburg. I went to spend one spring break with a friend in Harrisburg. Oh, really? <laughs> I could get to D.C. Okay. to see um, Ansel Adams' Masterworks and wow. a bunch of other shows that were hanging at the time. And so I decided to switch my major to art my junior year of college. And from there on in, I plowed my way into photography and art in general. The college I was going to is called Houghton College, and it's also somewhat in the wilderness. It's... um down in the southern part of New York, just north of that border of Pennsylvania. And it's kind of like Amish country. It's pretty sparse and rural. So there wasn't either, a, there, well, there wasn't a real photography program there. I mean, the, the professors taught a basic level and a second level photography course. And they could teach up to like color processing for cybochrome back in the day. But beyond that, if you wanted to major in photography, you had to write your own your last two courses. Oh, wow. And then have them approved by the professor and then do them. So I did a crash course in art, and I I started learning photography on uh, photo.net. Oh, good. <laughs> because I could sit down at the computer and have all my darkroom questions pretty much answered by people more experienced than my professors. <laughs> so I'm kind of like a little bit weird in that, you know, now I get asked about once a day, oh, are you an RIT grad? And I have to say no, <laughs> because everybody else here is an RIT grad. So I learned photography in the darkroom, but then to kind of cram in my course load in time to graduate roughly on time, I took a, a May course, which they teach in three weeks, and it's just 
it's three credits in three weeks, so it's pretty much eight to five plus reading all night. <laughs> um, in Photoshop. And so, um, uh, it would be the semester before I finished. I mean, I think we did the whole Photoshop Bible front, cover to cover in three weeks. Oh, so wow. That's pretty heavy. That is. <laughs> um, when I graduated, I, uh, I got myself a film scanner and I was actually working in web design, but doing photography as much as I could. And that went on for about, until the dot com bubble burst. And then I got a job for the college again, surprisingly. I was doing graphic design and photography for them. That's when I got my first digital camera for them. So we didn't have to worry about film processing costs anymore. And that's about when I started to really take off in, it's hard to say, my shooting skills. But I began to take a lot more risks. Um, I'd push really a lot harder for a shot because okay. I had oh, that feedback, you know, on the back. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and right about that time, uh, I got myself fired <laughs> and decided that if I was going to make a living, the only way to do it was doing weddings because they'll pay you before you <laughs> work. Right. So that's really a nice angle for the wedding industry. And uh, I jumped into that. Since then, I've been working my tail off. Wow, yeah. We were looking at your site, and, and you mentioned how many weddings you do. How how many weddings a year are you are you up to now? Um, well, I cut back last year. Um, okay. Raised prices and <laughs> scared some people away, I guess. But uh, let's see, 2004, I did 42, I believe. Wow. And in 2005, I did 36 or 37. That's still a large majority <laughs> of the, the year working on the weekends. Yep, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Well, I mean, you said you raised your rates, but I mean, I could definitely see where it's justified. You you have an amazing product when it comes to wedding photography. Thank you. I wish I could have hired you for mine. <laughs> <laughs> you have a very different style. Do you want to do you want to describe the the photojournalist aspect to our listeners? Well, I guess you could just look at my background and say, if you don't teach somebody what to do, this is what they're going to do if they just walk up to it and try to do it. And that's really how I approached it. I mean, it sounds kind of stupid, but being ignorant is kind of nice when it comes to really taking things for what they are and showing them. I mean, I know photographers now and talking to them who were trained like down in New York by a studio and they really have a hard time getting at the emotion in people because they were trained to make them smile and hug and take a snapshot. Right. So I really just try to be there and that does take a lot of, well, it takes a lot of energy, but it's also just being innocent, too. And that's hard after you've done 40 and you just did one yesterday. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. But just being there and uh, starting to, you know, catch the, the whiff of things and people are excited or they're nervous or whatever. In the general sense, I think that's what wedding photojournalism is about. I mean, you would get a lot different perspective maybe from a news person trained for the news. But I'm untrained, so I just roll with it. You hit a really good point. I mean, you can really sense the emotion in a lot of your images. So that's that's just a really cool way of explaining your approach. What's it like lighting in these places? Like, do you take a lot of equipment with you? Or, you know, do you try to take advantage of whatever's there? What's your approach in terms of lighting? Well, I'm going to have two different approaches because there is a sense in which I'm a photojournalist, but there's also very much a sense in which I would love to be a fashion photographer. And so I take most more more lighting equipment than most photojournalists. Um, I have a whole case which I can kind of describe here if you want. But sure. Um, so for the the average 
room, um, you know, a salon or let's just stick with a salon. You just have to find the light and if it means asking the stylist to rotate the chair a little bit, they don't care. So do it, <laughs> you know, and then you're going to get some of that downlight from the tungstens that they're using there on the face and, you know, you can make it more interesting. Okay. So 70% of the time, you just got to use what's there, but you can't force the light that's there, so you have to be in the right position and then just hope that your action's going to correlate with it. Otherwise, use a flash. I mean, I, I do if I have to. But, you know, digital cameras are so fast now. I mean, I don't hesitate to shoot at 800 all day long. Really? And 1600 doesn't really bother me, although, you know, it's grainier. Right. Once you get around, you know, the sort of boring stuff, um, I do try to light my churches and my reception places to be more congenial to photography. I try to light them in the most unobtrusive manner, and that usually means bouncing it off the ceiling somehow. Okay. Because I was never caught lighting, really, I never learned how to use the softbox, and I'm really glad for that now because you you can tell a photographer who, in the commercial world, is probably working a lot or not. (laughs) The guys that aren't working are the guys that use like a simple formula, like put the softbox on the subject and F8 and... There you go. Right. Guilty. So I really try to make the light come from the environment. I remember the first place I, I learned to do this was in the ceramic studio at, my, at the college I was working at. Ceramic studio had a one wall, and then the, the wheels were lined up against that wall of windows. And I was shooting slide film at the time. And I was like, what in the world am I going to do? And I did the only thing I could think of, which was, stick the monolight on a table and point it at the ceiling. It was a big A-frame ceiling. And the test I did looked great. I was like, wow, that worked. That's great. And so I guess from that experience and on to the hundreds of rooms I've been in now, um, I try to make that light real because cheesy flashlight is not going to give you the emotion. Even if the girl's crying, you know, or whatever it is, you know, it's a great expression and emotional moment if you don't have that glowy light to go with it then well it's just another flash picture you know what i mean absolutely exactly so you got to match the light to the emotion otherwise you'll lose one of them probably going to be the emotion because that's the harder thing to get and you know people pay lots and lots of money for their wedding and they want to remember it you know like it is so i try to make the light feel like it was there and maybe i can even get it a little bit better than it was there that's great. So people, I mean, most people don't remember the, their wedding in a series of flash pictures. <laughs> they remember the light that was there, and you're trying to make it feel like that again, which is... Yep. Uh, does that involve a lot of scouting? I mean, do you always know ahead of time what you're if I, into? If my life you know, were to evolve to the point where I had the luxury of scouting, I'd appreciate it. But <laughs> that usually means um, I get there like five minutes ahead of the bride, and oh, wow. I have to set up. Usually the DJ will hold him up for a while while he figures out their names and, you know, has to announce them and stuff. But I usually set it up pretty quickly. But getting back to the earlier question you asked, how much lighting stuff do you take? There are times in the day where I put a great deal of effort into the lighting just for portraits. Um, I try to do like a bridal portrait of the girl when she's just dressed, just alone. And if somebody goes to my site, they'll, they'll pick those out as something that happens usually before the ceremony. And then I try to do something fairly fancy with a couple as well. I mean, 
this is the strategic part of it because I feel like so many wedding photographers don't care about their light. I feel like I I can distinguish myself so much easier just by you know toting these model lights around and creating such a different quality that should be evident in my pictures. And I've had a couple journalism or photography students hire me saying, "We love your light." That's great. And so it's working for some people. Now, when you talk about carrying these model lights around, can you describe to us what they are? Are they like um, I'm on your site right now, and it says that you now you're a Canon shooter, and it says that you use like the 550EX flash. Are you talking about flashes, or these portable strobes, or or what exactly are they? Um, yeah, I use on camera, and I can talk about that maybe a little bit later. I usually use that for the bridal portraits because we're just in their house or wherever, or hotel. Um, yeah, I use I have alien bees and some photogenic, a photogenic monolith, yeah, and pocket lizards. So, it, it, like, in a reception, uh, I usually work with my wife, who's also a photographer. So I'll have two different or three different channels for us to work on, depending on where we are in the room, so that we can use whatever style or angle of light that we want based on the channel that we select. Oh, okay. So you actually have them set up. Um, do you put them in different places around the room then to get them, you know, strategically placed, and then later on you pick the ones you need with the pocket wizard? Is that what you're saying? Right. So... That's great. So, like, say, from the front of the room, I can shoot on channel one, and from the back, I can shoot on channel two. Oh, wow. That's really cool. You know, facing the opposite direction. Now, how do you deal with color temperature? If you're mixed, I mean, obviously, there's some ambient light mixed in there, or fluorescent, or whatever else is in the hall. Yeah, and that's really another thing that I've always, well, not always, I don't don't even remember where I learned it. Um, I learned it early with digital, and that is to match the temperature of the ambient with your flash. It makes sense because you get to choose your color temperature. <laughs> I was actually showing this to somebody with a Fuji F2, I think it is. And the camera, if you fire the flash, automatically chooses like a 5500K um, setting. Right. So it confused me. But when I shoot on camera flash, I'm in a room with tungsten, I gel the flash to tungsten using the Roscoe's. I use a straw, I think it's 3114 or something like that. That seems to work the best for the Canon 3300K and most rooms, which are a little bit lower than that. So that probably goes a long way for that natural feel, too, because then you don't have that bluish light in all the shots that's that was not there that day. <laughs> right. And it's also something that I can use to my advantage now and then. Like if I'm shooting a portrait in a mixed lighting situation, sometimes I'll leave... I'll shoot one like a 550 off the ceiling gel for Phil but then I'll leave one blue and put it on the bride and so it lights up her, her dress like a lot more blue colored Wow! and so you can start to use those contrast in the lighting to color because it makes a more interesting picture you know when you have contrasting lighting if you do it deliberately absolutely it's not as hard as it sounds one of the things we didn't talk about I guess in the gear is that is the other tech, or the other side of the technique. Um, not all rooms are suitable for a monolite bounced off the ceiling or through umbrellas off the ceiling or whatever works for that location. And sometimes DJs bring these cool lights, and then I really get to have fun. Um, <laughs> I, I really like dancing and stuff, so I like to photograph it as well. Um, some people shy away from the drunken pictures, but not me. Um, <laughs> 
And uh, <laughs> I use uh, two 550s uh, at the same time, and I use like a digital camera battery. It's not just a, a descriptor, it's actually a company that makes them. <laughs> um, so that they recharge really fast. And um, I gel them to the room, and then I chase people around like a madman. Um, <laughs> That's great. And um, there's also a lot of cool pictures like that on my site from the later in the evening kind of stuff. They're just wild party pictures. So that would work too, like when the lights are down, DJ's playing. Yeah. and So I hold the, the other the spare 550 in my left hand. That lets me like model the light a little bit. Not just a deer in the headlight. Are they different intensities then? Yeah, usually like the one in my left hand is twice as powerful as the one in the camera. That's really cool. You definitely have some shots that I've not seen captured properly anywhere else. <laughs> yeah. That's tough to do. That was really good advice on the digital camera battery, because I know that recycle times on my 550, I was struggling with at one point. Um, let's see, let's go through. I'm shooting at probably ISO 1000, wide open, 2.8, and with two lights. Wow. So you're not talking about a lot of output, even because the people are... Um, shooting a 16-millimeter lens in their face. <laughs> I'm only, like, two feet away. <laughs> right. So I can blast off, like, six frames without thinking. Nice. That's great. What were you talking about when you said you get funny looks from photographers when you're setting up? Well, um, oftentimes I'll set up my umbrella without a reflector. Oh, really? Um, yeah, without the little metal part. Because it gives you, a, like, a wider spread and I'll just aim it at the ceiling. I mean, I try to evolve the light off of things that are there so that it looks like it's there. So it seems that most experienced, in quotes, photographers sort of only use the light like the B&H manual says or something, (laughs) you know? Like, point the umbrella at the subject. But all the photographers that use light in interesting ways that I've worked with have never done that. And so I don't know why I care. I remember the first time I saw a guy, uh, I was assisting him, and he set up the softbox behind the model. And I was like, oh, this guy's cool. (laughs) (laughs) Because he had set up this shiny background, and to get a good reflection off of it, you need a large source. And that's what he had in his kit, was a large source. And he was shooting the the face of these um, football players with these, like, pin spots. It's brilliant. It was cool. So... When you only set up your equipment like the manual says, you, you might not be getting all that you can out of it. I, I have a reflector that's cut because I want most of the light to go to the ceiling, but then like that back side of the reflector will cast direct light onto the room. Hmm. It's sort of like a background reflect- reflector, but not really because it's just a regular 8-inch LED reflector with a half circle cut out of it. So it kind of reacts almost like a uh, like a LumaQuest Pro Max type thing. Right, where the ceiling is my Pro Max thing. That's great. Gotcha. Yeah, exactly. So then I get, I mean, if I have a really big room, then I can have um, direct light from the flash versus specular, and then that whole ceiling to work with. That's um, cool. That's so really you interesting. Don't, you don't have to limit yourself to what the PhotoFlex catalog says to do. <laughs> right. <laughs> When we were reviewing your website, uh, there was one thing that really caught my eye, and it was under the uh, the photojournalism section. You talked about using view camera technique 
as photojournalism. Now, do you actually take a view camera out in the field, or are you using a lens or something like that that you're doing with it? No, I buy cheap lenses from KEH and uh, rip the back end off. <laughs> and, then, um, and then I make like a bellows out of neoprene. Wow. And then I just hold it in front of the camera. Oh, wow. They're amazing pictures. They remind me a lot of uh, lens baby type stuff. But I mean the the focus and the the area that's in focus is just you know so clean and crisp. It's just it's great. So um, one thing that that I think is interesting is you have like I don't know how many websites <laughs> right. out there. There it seems like you have what five or six. Um, there's I, I've kind of been blogging for three years now. Wow. Um, before I used blog software, I would just update um, my website with each wedding. And, you know, that's just capitalizing on the, the people that are already interested in my work. And I can do it relatively fast because I have a history of because I do it myself. So it's just, you know, five, ten minutes. But <clears throat> it gives people, uh, you know, a teaser of their images which kind of creates a little buzz. That is cool. And then the lab I'm currently using, they submit their email address and you know they get notified when all of them get finished, which is usually a couple of weeks after wedding. It's not that bad. So it's just been a good way to keep people interested in the work. And then as I'm doing that, I'm leveraging my knowledge of Google and stuff like that to uh, make sure that the search terms people are using there are neat. That's great. And brilliant. You also have a personal blog, right? NeilCowley.com yeah. slash B2. Yep. yep. That's a lot of fun too. So we'll put links into uh, in the show notes for some of those as well because it's a lot of fun to keep track of you. <laughs> cool. I'll try not to give off too much. <laughs> uh, so how about um, upcoming projects? What are you? Uh, what would you like our listeners to, to know about what you're up to now? Well, since we're talking about light, um, and I actually, I, I get a lot of uh, questions on the forums I hang out on and stuff like that. Um, I just figured, hey, maybe people want to, you know, hear, hear it in live and then practice a little bit. Because, to be honest, I mean, I didn't come to this knowledge overnight. I mean, I see what I like, but a little over a year, two years ago, I started renting a studio from a guy. So I have all the lights there. You know, I drag people in there and make them do silly things for me so that I can learn how to use it better. You know, it's always a trick to get your ratios and your contrast right. So I figured people might like that opportunity too. So I'm going to try to uh, put together a little seminar uh, April 1st out here in Rochester in my little podunk studio and uh, see if people get anything out of it. If they like it, I might keep doing it so they can watch the blog for that. Because all out there and stuff. Aside from the workshop, what advice do you have for for guys that are or girls that are getting started in photography and think that they want to go the the wedding portrait route? I handle stress. Uh, it motivates me. Um, so make sure you're okay with a lot of stress and a lot of responsibility <laughs> before you start. Um, if that doesn't turn your way, then just practice. You got to practice hard. Good advice. That's great. Shall we do quick questions, Bill? 
Yeah. Are you up for some rapid fire? Just some sure. fun questions? All right. Do you want to go first, Ed? Uh, favorite city to shoot in? I did this wild wedding in, in um, Utah in, in, like, the middle of nowhere. Does that nice. count? Yeah, that counts. I count it. I, I probably won't ever <laughs> go back there, so. How about your favorite lens? So as long as I can say that it's my favorite, but I don't have to be, like, shooting with it all the time. That uh, works. That 55 millimeter is my favorite so far. Well, since we know you do a lot of web surfing, favorite website? I'm just going to have to say PhotoNet because it's old school. Okay. How about uh, rock or jazz? Oh, rock and roll. All right. Uh, favorite photo magazine? Um, I think the only one I read is PDN. How about um, favorite subject? I started out with landscapes. Now I do weddings. But I'd still have to say my kids are my favorite subject. Good answer. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, I just have to figure out how to get paid to shoot them. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Describe your dream assignment. Big fat client, which wants me to travel across Middle America, documenting farmers or something. Uh, <laughs> um, for a book that they want to do to promote these farmers or whatever. Good stuff. Well, we've had a really good time talking with you tonight, Neil. So we really appreciate yeah. you coming on the show. Yeah, no problem. Have a good night. Bye-bye. That's all we have for this episode of Light Source, the brightest podcast on the internet. Be sure to check out the show notes at studiolighting.net for links to the things that we talked about on today's show. And there you'll also find links to our photography and kind of keep up on some of the stuff that we've been shooting. And don't forget you can send us questions or feedback about the show to studiolighting at gmail.com. And we'll either try to answer those questions on the show or on the forum in the lighting's question section. Or you can get feedback on your photos at our new Flickr group at www.flickr.com slash groups slash light source. Until next time, take care.